Welcome to the Ascension Podcast. My name is Camille and I'm a life and business coach. This podcast is focused on personal development, spirituality and creating the life we want. Today I'm really excited because I've got a really special guest all the way from Atlanta in the States. I'm going to let him introduce himself in a bit. He's got a very interesting background and I'm excited to share with you what he's what he's learned along his journey. So thank you so much for being here, bro. I uh, appreciate you, man. How you doing? I'm doing very good. It's um it's 8 p.m. over here, getting towards my bedtime now, but it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's good to make some time for for you right now. Um, how's it going over in the states? Uh, everything, you know, besides coronavirus, is doing good. I mean, we just right now uh, ride through this pandemic. Hopefully, it ends soon. Mm. Why don't you tell our listeners a bit more about you and where you've come from? Okay. Well, my name's uh. You know what I'm saying? My stage name, because I do music, is JG2. Um, I'm CEO of Rufus Killer Records. Uh, business name, uh, Jerry Gibson. You know, that's for my corporate friends. You know what I'm saying? Um, I own, I'm the CEO and owner of Rufus Killer Records, based here out of Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, it's an independent label, 100% independent, which means we own our own masters. We own all the content that we put out. Uh, it's completely controlled and distributed and, you know, ran by me. Um, I was born and raised in a little small city southwest of Atlanta, about three hours away, um, Albany, Georgia. Um, I was raised there pretty much all my, you know, coming up years until pretty much adulthood. And then I moved away to Florida for a couple of years and then wound up in Atlanta. Um, my record company, you know what I'm saying? People hear the name Ruthless Killer Records, which is no affiliation to Easy Ease label Ruthless Records. We're no affiliation to them. A lot of people ask that question a lot. So uh no I I don't nobody don't know nobody from Ruthless Records. But uh, the name Ruthless Killer, uh where I get my company from, I base my company off of um uh, it's what me and my cousin used to call ourselves when we were me, my cousin, two of my cousins and my brother. It was four of us. When we were teenagers, we used to call ourselves Ruthless Killers. You know, every group of cousins just wanted that cool name coming up. So that was our group name, Ruthless Killers. We didn't do music or nothing. It was just something we called ourselves. Um, my cousin Jacquees, he passed away at the age of 15. I was 13 at the time when he passed away. And um, I remember the, and how Ruthless Killer came about. I promised, I made a promise when I touched his casket before they laid him in the ground. I said, uh, the world is going to know about you before, you know, my time is over. Just so it happened, I wound up getting into music. So when I decided to start learning the game, it was a no-brainer. If I start a company, it's gonna be called Rufus Killer Records. So that was my way of paying tribute to my cousin. So anytime anybody wears a, a shirt with my logo on it, or they request one of our tracks, or even stream one of our songs, it's distributed through Rufus Killer Records. That's just a way of me paying homage to my cousin that passed away because he never got to live to see none of this. That's powerful, man. Thank you for sharing that, carrying on that that legacy for your cousin, right? Yeah. Would you say that you, you draw a lot of inspiration from that? That's where all my inspiration comes from. I honestly think if he didn't pass away, I wouldn't be doing music. It wouldn't be no need for me to do music. You know what I'm saying? This was never like a dream of mine. I think, you know how some things have to happen for some things to manifest itself? I think him passing away had to happen for me to become the businessman that I am. Because I just looked up to him so much. If he went and parachuted off a bridge, I'm scared of heights, but I'd have did it just because he did it. That, that's how much 
I looked up to my family. So, you know, him passing away, him not being able to be seen or, or none of that stuff, um, this is like not how the world I feel can get to get to know him, but I actually get to know him. He lives through me. So I have to carry his legacy and, and walk righteous in the things I do. So that's why everything is ruthless killer. That's why I can never sign to another label. They have to partner with me because I can never step away from the name that I created because it's still going to be in memory of everything I do is in memory of him and everything that we, you know, the memories we shared and, and, and the love I have for him and I miss him. So it's just my way of taking him along the journey that he's not here to enjoy. You know, it's, um, it's a powerful thing when we look at the roles some people play in our lives. And I like how you brought up this example for you in terms of how it manifested certain things to come about for you. Because sometimes we don't really realize what someone's role is until, until afterwards, until, until on reflection. And we see like this never would have happened if this tiny little thing happened or this tiny little event happened. It's crazy. How like right. the biggest things happen from the, the like the smallest like the butterfly effects, right? It's yeah, just right, um, right. yeah, it's crazy how that happens. So you mentioned that you you never saw yourself going into music. What what did you see before that? Me honestly, at the age of thirteen, when he passed away, you really don't. I ain't gonna lie, I had a nice jump shot. You know what I'm saying? So probably the more realistic thing for me at the time was want to go to the NBA and be like Jordan, you know what I'm saying? Mm. But, you know, I, I ain't the tallest in the world, so I don't know how that would work out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, the average guard is, what, at least six foot? <laughs> 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 so that would have been kind of interesting. But, you know, um, besides that, though, man, honestly, at that, that age, that's probably all I really, you know, knew then. I wound up getting to, you know, my, my mom and dad split up after my cousin passed. Um, I wound up, you know, I got introduced to the street life a little bit, you know what I mean? And I started learning the street side of life, which I think that's my key to survival. I actually had to learn how to survive in the streets. Cause if you don't know, I, if you don't know how to survive in the streets, you can't walk in them. Like me, I can walk pretty much anywhere I want to go and I'm okay. And not cause I have security guards with me or things. Sometimes I don't take security with me when I go places. I just go. Um, it was something Tupac said in an interview that I always live by. He said, if you kick that music from your heart, you should be able to go wherever your heart wants you to go. So when we talk about doing music, whenever I approach music, I approach it from my heart. Because like right now, if I wasn't doing music, I wouldn't be on this podcast with you and you way in London right now. Mm -hmm. This is another effect. You see what I'm saying? So I've done great things, I think, in my in my years of living, like last year I was with T.I. when they honored him at the state capitol here in Georgia. I was invited by Senator James. She's a senator here in Georgia, helped make laws. I was standing on the same floor that they made laws and, um, and, and, and state decisions. I was a guest. I wasn't there working. I was invited. You know what I'm saying? It makes a difference when I look at myself as ordinary, but people don't look at me as such because I do unordinary things that ordinary people can't do, if that makes sense. Definitely, man. Do you feel like you're still kind of realizing what you're doing in terms of where you, I know you like you founded on a record label, which is an amazing thing, but you feel like that's still kind of sinking in. Yeah. Um, I, I look at it now, like 
I can't say I'm just doing it as a hobby anymore because when the money get deposited, then of course, you know, it's not a hobby. So, you know what I'm saying? Mm. But it's like, I look at the effect that I'm starting to have around people. Like my son, 16, I was in the studio that two chains records out of, I was in there with his producers last night with my 16 year old son. He was laying some music down with a, uh, with a, with a multi-platinum, uh, 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 multi-platinum Grammy nominated producer. I wish at the age of 16, I could have had that opportunity, but um, my son is actually, I'm helping him get ready to start his record label at the age of 16. Of course, you know, I'm going to have my hands in it because he's not 18, but, you know, for him to want to take that that stride and follow in my footsteps, it just let me know that I'm doing something different. Then I got other associates around me that have started companies as well based off of how I move. Because I'm showing them that you don't need to have a million dollars to make a million dollars. All you need is a little bit of upstart and a passion and a dream, and it can, it can happen. That's true, man. When you mentioned your experiences and the kind of way you had to be growing up in terms of in the streets and being able to be on the streets without having to worry about it and knowing what you're essentially doing, I feel like no matter what point you get to in life, some of these things we've gone through before are going to be with us in terms of what we pick up along the way. So for example, um, say my experiences moving over from South Africa, um, losing my father when I was really young and doing like law and stuff like this, that all kind of was incorporated into my business now in different ways. But for you, for example, um, how would you say navigating like growing up in the streets and stuff like that how do you think that shapes and what do you think you took on like where you are now from that i think the first thing that i had to have to learn to understand is that um coming from my environment i come from a city albany georgia where the odds are already against us anybody who comes from albany will tell you that um my first mind frame that I had to have was I had to have a different mind frame. I wanted more than what my environment had to offer. But in order for me to, to rise above my environment, for one, I knew I had to get out of my environment. See, a lot of people don't understand. So it's nothing wrong with leaving your environment and coming back. But when you come back, have something to offer. So when I left my environment, I left knowing that one day I will return. But when I return, I'm going to be 10 times the person I was when I left. So getting into business was something that it became a passion. I got got tired of working for people. So wanting to work for myself became a passion. But, you know, when you got kids, working for yourself and not making no money ain't going to work. So I still had to work for other people to a certain point, but then build myself up to a point where, okay, I can – I can sustain an income to where I don't have to work for nobody and nobody tell me what to do and do business on my own terms. So once I got that in my head, one of the things that I did do, I started taking entrepreneurship classes, classes talking with millionaires. Then I started noticing my lifestyle start changing when I started getting invited to T.I.'s house, Tiny's house as a guest. And I'm walking in the house, like the, the same house that people see on TV. Mm. I've been there. I coached his son in football, uh, King, I, watching King on TV and then seeing him in person on Sunday talking to him. You know what I'm saying? It's like my lifestyle started changing. Then one day I started asking myself, like, if I know all these millionaires, 
Why am I not a millionaire yet? If I do music like they do, if I, I have access to the things they have access to, why am I not a millionaire yet? And the thing was, I didn't have my business in order. So once I started getting my business in order, I started noticing everything I started touching started going up. Everything from the music streams to, you know what I'm saying, my views on our YouTubes, everything just started going up. It's just everything's in an upward spiral, and it still continues to go up. So taking those entrepreneurship classes is what really taught me, networking. Uh, last year, I was in a meeting. I talked with, uh, you, ever, you watch baseball? Uh, no, for in the UK, no. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Chip. Chipper Jones, he's a um, Atlanta Braves legend here. Um, he's in the Hall of Fame and everything. I was sitting down at a table with him, and I had like a 45-minute com- one-on-one conversation, and we just talked and laughed. And, and, and he told me, he was like, he said, dude, if you just apply all the plans that you're coming up with, you're going to be a millionaire in no time. He said, because it makes sense. For a person who has all these millions of dollars, who's a Hall of Famer to tell me something like that, it really gave me the confidence to believe in myself because if he can tell me this stuff and don't know me from a can of paint, I got to be onto something like that. So those classes really helped me propel. And then having a TV show last year and helping other artists get on TV and things of that nature and networking, those are the things that helped me become, I ain't going to say I'm a monster because, you know what I'm saying, I'm, I'm just, help me get into the mind frame of wanting to be successful and into the success that I've achieved so far today. It's interesting that you brought up the example because as you said, you were with these people, you were doing what they were doing, but the one thing that kind of wasn't quite there was essentially the mindset and yeah. treating certain things in that way. And that can always be one of the key differences sometimes between where we are now and where we want to be. Exactly. Because how we, how we see things is pretty much how we create things. And it's right. great. It's great the way that you identified that and acted on it too, because that's, um, sometimes where people tend to pull back is not taking that action right 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 <laughs> you know and now like i try to motivate people you know because I, I still consider myself as ordinary like my son you know we like we're my my label we're on a magazine cover coming out um next quarter like we done did the photo shoot um i got the questionnaires in the whole nine like like that's something big um Having having a magazine cover and I don't have a major record label backing. I'm 100 percent independent. So they have my first. Well, this is actually my second magazine cover, but the first one for my record company. But my son looks at me as just a regular person. But you have to, like I was explaining to him. I look even though you're doing music, I'm gonna always look at you like you're my baby. You're my first son. I don't care if you're 30 years old. You're still my baby. I I rate I I held you in my arms when you were born. But I say what we present to the world. They only see what we present to the world. So, like, think about it like this: like Ti, I've seen Ti in some of the most normal circumstances. We've had some of the most normal conversations, but the world might see me and they'd be like, "Oh man, that's that's JG." Like, when y'all see Ti, y'all just see Ti. Y'all don't see Clifford Harris when he's just with his wife and kids, or that's that's not what y'all see. Y'all see what the media puts out or what he wants you to see. So. They're only going to judge you by what they see. So it's like living two lives, in a sense, where you're only one person. Because if somebody walks up to you when they're a fan, you got to remember, they help support you and make sure you don't have to punch nobody clock. So you have to show them love because if the people stop supporting you, 
you might be right back on somebody's clock. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like a, a superstar or anything, but I've heard that some people say, when you see someone's content or you see someone's um, music or podcast or whatever, you get to know them. You get to know them fairly well from what you see online. But then, so when you meet that person, like in person, like you feel like you know them, but they have no idea who you are. So exactly. it's like. Exactly. It's, and then pseudo, I will say this, sorry to cut you off, but I'll say this. You only see what they want you to see. Like, for example, you got to remember when it's a camera, it's still a lot of editing that has to be done. So they cut out a lot of stuff. Like when T.I. has a headache and don't want to be bothered, we don't see those days. Or if he got to, you know, get on one of his kids for getting in school or of anybody for that matter. Like me, when I get on my kids, when they mess up in school, y'all don't see that on camera. I don't have a reality show following me. You know what I'm saying? Those are things that you don't see. Like last night, I just used this for an example. I did show a real moment. I call it artist artist development one on one, because I was like my son. He was recording. It was some things that I was breaking the game down to him that a lot of artists don't get to see me in that light of like they don't see me work with other artists because I do work with other artists behind the scenes with artist development. But due to contractual obligations, I can never go live with that stuff mm-hmm. to show them you know this that this. But with my son, on the other hand. That's my seed. I have no contract with my son. Our contract is in blood. My blood flows through his veins. So we bonded for life. So anytime I'm teaching him something, sometimes you have to put those teachable moments out there so other artists can learn from it. If they don't have the budget to, hey, well, I want you to develop me as an artist, they can still take something from you without, you know, we call it free game. They can get free game from you even though they don't have a budget. And I try to help those artists who, really don't have a budget as much as I can. But I do also understand that I have to work with artists that have a budget because that's what keeps, you know, the business afloat. I'm really curious to know, because I never really got an insight into it, um, into this kind of industry. But how do you actually go about founding a record label? Like, how, what is the process with that? Well, first, you, you got to, uh, first of all, it's always the business side. I always tell people business. So the business side is go ahead and apply through the state. Um, once I paid, you know, I, I bought the rights to the name for the state. I, um, I filed for the trademark and I filed for the name, the, the rights to the name to do business under the name worldwide. So, um, I'm in the final stages of that. That takes a very long mm-hmm. process. Like trademarking takes forever. Um, getting the license through the state don't take that long, but the trademark worldwide, it takes forever. But, um, once you get the business side down, then you start getting, because I do music, I write music and I perform music, then you got to make sure as an artist you have all your publishing done. Then once you get all your publishing done, you can proceed to move forward. So like I have artists signed up under me, so I have lawyers that have to draft my contracts. Once we verbal, the first thing in doing business with the artist comes to a verbal agreement. Once you come to a verbal agreement, get everything you verbally agreed on in black and white, because that's what the artist is going to hold you the standard they're going to hold you to like a lot of times you might hear artists say well i rap for this company but i never got paid and then the artists wind up suing the record label to try to get his money how i me personally i operate a little different i let my artists keep their masters and i let my artists keep their publishing i let them deal directly with the publishing company 
I don't interfere with that. Because those are your two biggest lawsuits. I didn't get my royalties, and they're suing for their masters. So if you come into the game already knowing, I'm going to record with, with Ruthless Killer Records because I'm going to own my masters and my publishing. That's going to make your artists go harder because they want as much publishing as they can get, and they get to walk away with their material. But the record company is going to push it. As long as you're on the contract with us, we're going to push it. And we're going to make sure you get out to the masses. And what you do with it after that, once our, you know, everything is done, then it's completely on you after that, you know. So that's how I choose to operate a little different. But that's how you pretty much get started in the game. You got to make sure own the, the statewide and then own the trademark. You own the trademark, you're good to go after that. After that, you can do whatever you want to. Nobody can use your name without either paying you some money or some form of agreement. When you were bringing up the, um, the legal side of things, it got me thinking because I know from what I've seen on this side of the world anyway, that um, in the States in particular, there is a lot of um, litigation that goes on and the people like, like to sue and people, people like to get compensation for things and stuff like that. Um, we have some of it here in the UK too, but I know in the States, they take it to like another level with um lawsuits yeah. and all of that something to be wary of for sure so the game over here is cutthroat it's very cutthroat if you don't have your stuff in order people will take advantage of you especially independent artists if you don't know the game people will take advantage of you people will get you and, and, and i will say this everything is not appears is what it appears to be like for example you see a lot of artists with all these big jewelry all this big jewelry on most of them don't own their jewelry I'm just going to show you how authentic I am. I'm sitting in my garage in my house. Matter of fact, I literally just got home. I'm a, if you look, I'm sitting in my Lexus right now. <laughs> 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 this, this chain I have around my neck is my logo, Ruthless Killer Records. I own everything with my logo on it. I even got a tattoo on my chest. Any piece of jewelry, any car you see me in, that's my stuff. Some cars we do rent for videos. You see us in like the Bentleys and things of that nature. We rent those. I'm not going to ride around in a Bentley. I use that for the video. It is certain parts of the game you got to use. But for the most part, anything you see me on, especially when it comes to jewelry, though, any piece of jewelry you see me wear is mine, is real. I got the jewelers you can call to bag it up. <laughs> so, you know, it's just that part of the game, man, you know, is you got to like it because it's entertainment. But a lot of people will take the entertainment part and try to make it their real life. That's why you see a lot of rappers go bankrupt. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll go broke because you bought, a, you bought a, at the height of your career, you bought a $3 million car. But when you cool off, you can't, you can't maintain it. You know, from, from what you're saying, it sounds like you really value authenticity in what you do. So I'd love to know, like, how important you feel expressing the authenticity in your particular industry and just in your life in general is for, for when you put yourself out there and what you do. You got to be authentic. Very important because in hip hop, especially somebody's going to call you out, especially when you get hot. It's like when you get hot, you become a target. Like for example, I know y'all know who Ja Rule is. Mm -hmm. Everybody's heard of Ja Rule. Remember when Ja Rule had the game on lock? Everybody hated Ja Rule because he was, at that time, he was that guy. That's why 50 blew up. And, and a lot of people, I give 50 credit on his success because he timed it perfect. 
he start attacking Ja Rule at a point at a time where everybody was tired of Ja Rule. You see what I'm saying? So if I get the guy who's attacking the guy that we're tired of, it's kind of I'm kind of gonna side with him because we already tired of him anyway. You know what I'm saying? So when you become the top guy, you become a target. That's why I don't care for being at the very top because I don't want to have to. I didn't get into this to have to fight people all the time because. Because I became successful. I just want to be successful, but stay below the radar. But I had to also understand that in life, the more successful you are, the more money you want, the more popular you're going to become. It's regardless, of, especially in entertainment. The less popular you are, the less money you make. The more popular you are, the more money you're going to make. So it's kind of like you hear a lot of rappers say, just give me the money. Give me the money. You can keep the fame, but without the fame, you won't get the money. That's true. Um, when you were talking about making it to the top, there was one example that came to my mind. And um, from what I correct me if I'm wrong, I know that not many people try to call out Eminem because they just destroy them, right? So <laughs> apart from like uh, Machine Gun Kelly that one time, but um, there are some people who people don't call out. Right. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm <laughs> um, I say if I had to give you a list of people that you don't call out, I would first of all let me just say big ups to Machine Gun Kelly because I think he's probably the only person that pushed Eminem to a point to where he actually had to respond. I mean, if you really think about Eminem's other beef, he beefed with Benzino. Benzino was never really. He never popped like that musically, so that was, you know. Um, ja Rule, that wasn't really his beef, but because of his association with 50, he had to. But Machine Gun Kelly went directly at Eminem. Eminem had to respond. There was no way you could not respond to that. But even though a lot of people say Machine Gun Kelly lost, mm -hmm. I'm going to say he actually won. And it may not have been on some lyrical stuff. Think about how many people went and streamed his music after he attacked Eminem. I've never listened to an MGK project until he dissed Eminem. And I just wanted to hear what he was talking about. He wasn't talking about nothing after that. But he he fizzled out after the diss the machine, after uh, the diss to Eminem. But he got his point across. If it was just to get that album off, he got you listening to it just for that album because how he attacked Eminem. And I think Eminem obliterated him after that, but he got your attention. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's um, definitely um, tactics, man. Has to be intentional. Um, oh, yeah. So he was definitely smart. Like, he, he played yeah. it right. He played it right, because even if you say he lost, he actually won, because now I don't remember having conversations about Machine Gun Kelly before that. Now, when you mention Eminem, or you mention Machine Gun Kelly, Oh, that's the other white guy that was crazy enough to go at Eminem. You see what I'm saying? So he's in the conversation. So he actually won. <laughs> but you know, it ain't. I think now rap is just so versatile now, though. There isn't too many rappers that you can put on a list of you don't go after. Because I think now, on their best day, any rapper can get it, include myself. It's always somebody out there that's that's wittier than you. Like you always used to hear that that that, that saying. Never go picking on nobody because there's always somebody out there better than you. Hip hop is the same way. 
I think the only difference is is maybe the baddest rapper don't have the budget you have. Kind of like LL Cool J and Cannabis. LL Cool J and Cannabis had a great war, but what killed Cannabis, he was on a smaller record label. LL Cool J was on Def Jam. He had more resources and more money behind him. So he got destroyed simply because he was on a smaller label. Now, when he dropped that one song with Mike Tyson in the video, he was going to LL Nick. But the money couldn't keep up. If the money can't keep up, don't go to war with no money. That's rule number one. Never start a war with no money. Because then when you re resources run out, you're going to keep getting bombed on. You have to wave the white flag because you can't keep up. I love that. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think it really takes then in your in your work to to make it to the top? What do you think it takes like internally and externally? Hunger. I always tell my artists, I don't care if I made five million dollars today. I'm gonna wake up like I got five dollars tomorrow. I'm always trying to find a way to take that five dollars and flip it into something else. Remain hungry, never get full. I'm like a fat man at all you can eat buffet. I'm gonna stay hungry. Cause I want to eat. I want the, the 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 more I work, the more successful I become. So stay hungry, stay consistent. A consistent grind. So even though I do music, you don't see everything from me musically because I'm a CEO. So sometimes I have to make executive decisions. Like right now, I just got my cover back for my uh, artist Wholehearted. He'll um we'll be dropping his single soon. So I have to oversee his artwork. Um, it's funny. I'm a, I'm gonna bring this up. He's probably gonna kill me later. But uh, he, I went and got his cover done. That he wanted to uh, do the cover for the second single, so he got this guy to do it. And I called him. I'm like, bro, what the hell is that? I'm like, that's not dope. No. So we just came to the ultimate decision. That you know what? They called me CEO. He said, CEO, I'm gonna let you handle my cover for my next work as well. But I always let my artists have input on how they want it to look. Mm. Then my job is to make sure it comes to life that way. But having staying hungry, having a consistent grind, and the quality of your work. Make sure the quality of your work matches the grind, matches who you are as a person. Because when you get out there in front of them cameras, whatever you do in the dark going to come to the light. And don't do nothing that you can't stand on. Because if you can't stand on it and it get exposed, you're going to shy away from the cameras. Mm -hmm. And then people are going to start abandoning ship because you're not who you say they are, who you say you are. But, yeah, exactly. and, know, and knowing the business, that's the last one. Knowing whatever you want to be, know what you want to be, know what it takes to be that, whatever you are trying to be, and follow the guidelines to that. Those are the keys to success. In terms of having that exposure you mentioned and being able to stand by things that happen behind closed doors, that's a lot of, that's, there's a lot of variables to think about for an artist that's coming up because not many people can always handle that kind of exposure or that kind of yeah. limelight. Um, yeah. Have you seen any, the kind of difficulties that come up with it when someone has that new sense of fame? Yeah, I, th I think a big example for that would be uh, Rick Ross. You know, with, uh, with hip hop, you know, we don't really rock with the police too tough. Um, with Rick Ross, I think what killed him, you know, he was a correction officer. He denied it. But then when the pictures came out, but you, my thing is you were portraying a dope dealer. You was correction officer. First of all, that's a big no-no. Then you took another guy's real life <laughs> and, and pertained it to music. 
you denied being a security guard, I mean, a correctional officer. So then when somebody leaked the pictures of you in a correctional officer uniform, now all the lies you told, you can't stand on. Because the pictures were a thousand words. Um, I think he was able to bounce back. But if you notice how he moved, he stepped away from all the dope dealing stuff after all that came out. Because now you, that, that killed that. You had to re revamp yourself. That killed anything of illegal whatever that killed that because um now we've seen you were in law enforcement like me personally i have a law enforcement ties i have a lot of brothers who are in law enforcement um i served as correction officer i'm never gonna shy away from that i'm never gonna you know what i'm saying i'm never gonna say no that wasn't me i'll tell you i did but i did what i had to do at that time to feed my family you know what i'm saying music wasn't i wasn't even doing music most of that time when I really got back into music, I stepped away from it. I'm not a correction officer now, I'm a CEO now, but I took that money that I invested years in protecting the public and I put it into my company. I invested in myself and I think I made the best decision. Um, but I gained a lot of knowledge from it. So I educate my a lot of my peers on if they get in a situation with police, look, this is what you need to do in this situation because this is what they're gonna do. And just teaching and try to teach people who have no knowledge of how to move legally, just spread knowledge because they train me this knowledge. They taught me this stuff. So I'm just taking what they taught me and teaching you. So somebody's giving you some kind of knowledge that's going to benefit you in life. I hear that, man. And kind of the, with the artists you work with, is there any kind of particular, particular qualities or kinds of people that you want to work with in your label? the kind of artists you want to attract um i want to attract anybody that's original i just signed wholehearted third um that's my newest artist to my company um he's different i did an open submission i didn't care where you were from if you made dope music i was gonna sign if you made if you was the dopest of the pack i was gonna sign you and i cannot lie to you i had about 500 songs 80% of the songs was everybody selling dope, everybody got the stick, everybody got this, woo, 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 woo. I got, it was so redundant, it was like, I got so many artists in the music sounds the same. But with Wholehearted, he gave me something, he was more like a J. Cole type artist. Like his music had substance. So it was a no brainer for me to sign him because I'm like, when we put this stuff out, it's not gonna sound like everybody else. So it's gonna stand out. Um, when we do his visual, he moves different, so it's going to stand out. I don't want to go with what's in right now, because when what's in right now is gone, what are you left with? But if I get with the artists who don't sound like everybody else, and we put his style, I say we put his style out of his style cats. I'm already ahead of the game because we started this trend. So now everybody else got to mimic us. You know what I'm saying? But what I look for in the artist is originality, versatility, marketability. Um, how well can I market you? If you just the biggest, like like I tell artists, if you the biggest blood on the block, the biggest gang member, blood on the block, how can I go market you to some Crips? Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's your rival. I can't ride. I can't market you to them. That's like mixing oil and water in your car. That's not gonna work. So you know, I look at anybody or artists. What really gets me is if you're very marketable, I can work with that. Cause I can take you on any platform and you'll fit in just fine. You don't limit yourself to one genre. 
those are artists I like to work with. I don't just say I'm a hip hop label because I had R and B artists on my label. You know what I'm saying? So it just varies. As long as you're a dope artist, I don't care. You can be a country artist. I'll sign you if you're country and I like it. If it's dope, I sign you. If you if we come to terms of agreement, I will sign you as a country artist. It doesn't matter to me. Just be a dope original artist. That's all I look for. I care about the quality of the content. So I care about the artistry of the music and and you know how marketable are you? I was speaking to this um, the singer a few weeks ago, and she was telling me about how, yeah, she's got some listeners, uh, a decent amount of listeners, but at the end of the day, in order to actually make it to that next level, she says purely on actually who you know. Yeah. And I'm wondering whether that applies the same to owning a label as well. I'm not. I, I I be working on my cussing, so I'm not going to cuss. But definitely, it all depends on who you know. Like I got my first radio show off of affiliations that I have, um, with you know my fraternity. I got my first TV show off the same thing, not because I went in and I knew them, but all because of we were from the same fraternity. See what I'm saying? Then when I had my own TV show, I got out here. I started networking with other business owners. One thing I always tell artists is when you go to like, when you get in the big room and if you're a CEO and you've ever made it to the big room, you know what I'm talking about? CEOs sit at one table. Artists sit at another. And the reason why it's like that is because an artist who is not a CEO can't have a conversation with a CEO because the level of responsibility is not the same. You see what I'm saying? When you're a CEO, like I have a couple artists under me. So not only am I responsible for my company, but I'm responsible for their careers, how they move, how they look, things of that nature. An artist is only responsible for themselves. They can give a damn about everybody else on the label. I'm only worried about, okay, well, when my project coming out, because I got to eat off my project. I can't eat off Joe Blow project or, or you know, this person project but I can eat off my project. So a lot of artists only worry about themselves. But when you're a CEO, you oversee the entire picture. So an artist can never have a conversation with a CEO because they don't share the full responsibility. Unless it's an artist that has their own company as well, then they'll understand. How do you deal with that responsibility and managing it? I deal with it on a on an individual basis. I got artists that, hungry i got artists that act like they fool my artists that act like they fool they don't put out no work i don't worry about them my artists who hungry that want to work we busy mm -hmm. and you finna start seeing it because right now people think i'm quiet but i'm just sitting on a couple couple of haymakers that we about to unleash but it's all on timing so like right now i'm i'm not gonna smother you with seeing me all the time so i give it i, I did my thing I made the news the whole nine. So I'm going to give you a break. Let everybody else get their rocks off. But when I hit you back, I'm going to hit you back with what we doing. I'm part of a group called The Campaign, me and my partner, Switchman Slim. So we're going to hit you with some campaign music. We're going to hit you with some wholehearted music. Then we're going to come back with some campaign music. There's some more wholehearted music. And then we're going to fit in. If my other artists decide to get in line, we're going to put them in the mix as well. But if I'm not included in what they're doing, then I just kind of let them do them. I don't hold them back and tell them, no, you can't do it. You do what you feel like you need to do. But when the results are not the same versus me putting my hands on it, then we can sit down and talk. 
because I can honestly tell you right now, my man, my artist Swish, right now we've independently done over, we've done well over thirty thousand streams off two songs. We need to put a project out yet. So independently, that's that's great because I keep one hundred percent of our stream money. So I'll take that all day. Versus getting a hundred thousand and you only getting a very small percentage of it, I, I'll take a hundred percent of over thirty thousand any day. It really sounds like timing and execution is pretty much like a make it or break it in your industry. The exact yeah, time really. you come into something or release something is it's so important. Like, how do you actually know then? Like, when is the right time? This is crazy. I'm finna compare it, but it's gonna make sense. All right. Kind of like being in a long relationship with your spouse, and then you just up and decide that you want to make her your wife. Okay. It's all on timing. You could be with somebody three years and you could ask her to marry you out of any time the whole three years. But on that one day, you decide, you know what? I think she's shown me enough that I need to make her my wife. Who questions the groom and say, well, what made you propose on this day? And I'm pretty sure they get it. It felt right. It, it felt like the right time. You see what I'm saying? So, Depending on what music has to offer, what music is in right then, you kind of have to go off what's going on on the music scene. And then based off of the success that you want to have from the record determines on when the time is to release it. Because sometimes everybody has a different strategy. Like right now, we're going to get ready to shoot another video because we released a song that we thought was going to shoot the second video for. But the song we almost did a record, we're getting ready to shoot the video for because we just leaked it and it took off way faster than the song we got out right now. So it was just like, okay, well, if the people showing you, they responded that one better than the other one, then it's kind of a no brainer. We got to go with the one that the people responded to the most. Even don't get me wrong, second record is doing good. It's almost at 10,000 at like seven weeks. So we doing good. You know what I'm saying? It's just the other one, we just put it out there to see a response and the response was overwhelming. So we just had to jump on that. That's like knowing that the winning lottery ticket coming up. So I'm going to buy the whole roll because I know it's in here. <laughs> it sounds like intuition is a big factor. Yeah. Trusting that kind of inner instinct with certain things. Um, how, do you feel, how do you feel about your own intuition when you're making these decisions? Uh, I think my intuition is on point. I haven't gone wrong yet with nothing I've done. You know what I'm saying? Um, I can just tell you in a year. I just get to you like this in a year. I invested in myself. I started my company back up in 2018. 2019, I bought a six-figure house. I bought my first Mercedes-Benz off the lot. I told them my Mercedes-Benz in six months. I turned right back around. I bought me a Lexus off the lot. <laughs> um, all my cars are paid for. Uh, my bank accounts have at least four digits in them. Um, my kids, I'm starting companies for my for my old I'm getting ready to start a company for my oldest son. I'm in high demand as far as business goes, as far as, far as how I move and how people want to work with me. So I can say my intuition is great. I'm doing a lot of things and being amongst a lot of major artists and major business owners as an independent small business. Well, yeah, small business owner, you can say. So my intuition is great. I think I've, I've marketed myself well and I've presented myself and marketed myself to a level that no matter where 
I go, I'm respected when I walk in the room. Think about it like this. Ruthless Killer Records was on, back home where I'm from, they put it on the news and we talked about music. I didn't have to shoot nobody. I didn't have to rob nobody. Nobody had to rob me. Nobody had to shoot me. I'm still alive to talk about it and I talked about what we were doing. So to take the name Ruthless Killer that somebody told me years ago, nobody would never work with me because that name sounds harsh. And to put it on the news and to be respected for it, I think my intuition is on point. Respect that, man. Where do you think, where do you see yourself um, in that vision of yours going forward? I said three years, I'd be a worldwide name. I'd give myself three years. Three years, I'd be mentioned amongst the Diddy's, the 50s. And I know a lot of people feel this way. A lot of people feel like, because it's me, yeah, I'm going to be. But because of how I do business, the things I know that I have coming up, I just put it to you like this. The first picture I get with Jay-Z, I'm going to send it to you. Please do, man. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing that when it happens. <laughs> and, you know, and, and I know it's coming. Just right now, it's about being patient. I'm in the position because I own, I own the company. A lot of companies want to work with me, so I'm the head of my chair. So it's coming. As long as I just keep moving right, keep having faith. And I just want to shout out um, – um, Death Row Records, the record that Tupac was signed to, Shook Knight's um, old record label. They're still around, believe it or not. Um, I got gifted with a Death Row Records necklace, the logo, the man in the electric mm. chair, that, the, the necklace that Tupac used to wear back in the day. Um, I got gifted with one of those for Father's Day, and I actually shared a picture on my Instagram, and, and Death Row Records actually liked the picture. Wow. <laughs> and <laughs> And shout out uh, King Ice, because they actually commented on the same picture. They actually blessed me with that piece. Like, I've got my record label piece on now, but I also have a gold Death Row record. That's the only other record label piece you'll ever see me wear, because I idolized Death Row records when I was coming up. So for them, for Death Row to even like me wearing their logo, I was hyped about that all day, because I was like, man, I remember watching Tupac wear his necklace, Suge Knight, and now I have a piece of history. So I put my necklace and their necklace in the picture. I said, when the past meets the present. So I just want to give a shout out to Death Row Records and King Ice for even blessing me um, with that. You know, well, for Death Row for accepting me wearing it and then King Ice for blessing me with it. It's beautiful, man. Yeah. You know what you said? You said where you're going to be in three years. And the, be the beauty of that is this podcast is going to be there um, as to keep you accountable. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, and, um, yeah. In three years' time, man, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be checking in. I'm gonna be sliding into those DMs and saying, "What's going on?" <laughs> oh man, hey, you know what? And when and when it happened, man, I I can tell you, like, it's, it's a lot of big things to come. Like right now, you've seen a lot of bigger things from me, but right now, coronavirus just has us. It, it, we don't know what's gonna happen right now. You know what I'm saying? It's just one of those situations. But I can say, at the end of the day, when this opened back up. I'm going to be mentioned amongst the elite. And when, I, when I'm there, when you hit me in my inbox, I might hit you like, hey, I'm somewhere in London right now. We, you know, we record. You, you know, I might tell you, pull up if you're close by. You know what I'm saying? But my goal is to be internationally known, not just known here in the state of Georgia, here in the States. 
like when they mention Rufus Killer Records in, in Africa or Rufus Killer Records in Germany, because I have a big following in Germany as well. When they mention us in Germany, people automatically, my face pops up in their head. Or any artist that I have that I'm pushing mm. pops up. And how can we get them over there? As a matter of fact, we have a um our our single after our next single that comes out when the album drops, uh the campaign album, we actually have uh Ajayiz. Uh he's the one of the biggest artists in Nigeria right now. He's on MTV right now. Wow. We have a we have a record with him that's already guaranteed to be played in Africa when we dropped it. They just waiting on us to put it out. Love that. Where can I know you said you're you're on Instagram. Are there any other social medias people can find you on as well? Uh yeah, they can hit me on Instagram. Um J, my my Instagram is JG2RKR. That's you know, you know, a lot of my business partners, one of the top business or artists trying to get me to listen to their music. Um they can follow my uh, record label page also, uh Instagram.com Rufus Killer K I L A Records. Uh also same thing on Instagram. Um I mean on uh, Facebook, Facebook.com slash Rufus Killer Records. Um, if they want my Facebook page, they can reach my Facebook page at um, JG2, uh, JG2 Rufus Killer Records. JG2 CEO Rufus Killer Records. Um, you know, and I'm trying to think, oh yeah, and also follow me and my partner Switch the group, uh, facebook.com forward slash Doug Campaign, D-A-C-A-M-P-A-I-E. And we got music on all streaming platforms as well. Spotify, Apple, Deezer, uh, uh, what is it? I, two, so many I can't even name no more. iTunes, uh. It's too many, man. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It really is. But I appreciate you tuning in and tapping in with us, though. We averaging over, we average over at least nothing under 4,000 listeners a month. Nothing under. So I appreciate them rocking with us and, you know, playing the music and supporting us, though. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here today, bro. And for all of you listening as well, you can send me a message on Instagram at The Ascension Coach and on Facebook at Camille Ravine. I'm going to put Jerry's links in the description box below as well, um, so you can find all of them there. Check out his music and his content. And I'm going to see you guys next week. Peace. Appreciate you, man. Thank you.